this is about to be, this is about to be fire. Like I can, I feel, <laughs> I, I feel, I feel the weight of this family. Um, if I could go ahead and get the slide. We, we've been in, been in the Summer Jam series. Summer Jam has been amazing in everything that's been talked about uh, as far as what can, what can hold us up and what can jam us up in life. But last week we kind of took, took a bit of a curve, took a bit of a turn, and uh, we're talking about confronting unbelief. Uh, last week was, was pretty loaded. Um, <laughs> I'm sure every, everybody walked away with, with some kind of homework, some kind of thought process that, that challenged you. And that's good. We, we, we need to be there. You need to be challenged ever so often to, for us to make sure that we are um, getting from the scriptures and getting from the Lord what it is that, that he wants to, to teach us and, and instruct us in. I, for one, uh, was, was greatly challenged about the stuff that God was spitting from my own mouth. And that's, that's one of those weird experiences as, you, as you're hearing yourself. It, what it does is it keeps me from getting so full of myself. Right, right. That's what it does because there's a danger that uh, that we have yeah. in in this seat to where I can start to think that it's about me. Right. And I can start to think that I'm so good and that I know so much, but God keep, keeps me away from that. Right. Keep it being checked and challenging me in what it is that he uh, gives me permission to, to bring forward. Because I, I, say it, I say it all the time. Well, we're on this journey too. You know, uh, Pastor Ashley and I are not just pastors of this church. We're members of this church. Okay? We're, this, this, is our, this is our church too. So, so we don't just pastor. We're, we're members here as well. We, we call this place home. Too. And so in, in light of that, we're all on this journey together in, in the scriptures. And um, man, I just, I don't have a lot of words about last week. Like it just, it just was, it just was what it was. It's just, it was amazing. And so we're going to jump into uh, Confronting Unbelief Part 2 today. And uh, we didn't get everything in uh, last week. So we're, we're gonna. Um, so today's gonna start by ending off uh, last week's message, and then we're gonna jump into uh, Mark chapter nine. So we'll be coming from Mark chapter eleven and Mark chapter nine today. So you can go ahead and turn in, uh, in uh, your Bibles uh, to that. But uh, you, you got any thoughts or anything, sir? Anything on your heart before we before we jump in? Just talk to us, old man of God. Listen. <laughs> All I can say is the word is challenging. It's cutting us. It's um, it, it's cutting, cutting. Um, and it's razor sharp. <laughs> it's alive. It can separate the soul from the spirit, the bone from the matter. So the word is doing what the word is doing, and I just am glad to be here. Um, you know, I'm. I gotta say that I follow the same thought process as Pastor Jay. It's just being able to be a vessel. But just because, um, just because you might 
have something to do with preparing the meal doesn't mean that you don't want to eat. So we eat, we eat, and we eat um, from the same meal. So um, just thank God for being here. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Fire! <laughs> it's about to be. I love this sword analogy from, from the scriptures. I heard a uh, pastor say one time, it, you can, you can, if you can imagine the Lord holding out a sword and the very tip of it hits your heart, touches your heart. So it touches, it touches me in my chest, the very tip of it. And then the Lord says to me, come here. Ooh, God. No. And I have to walk through the sword to get to him. That's, that's how the word is supposed to work in our life. This is why we cannot stress enough that you must be in a house that preaches the word of God. Okay? The times are too turbulent for us to be entertaining each other. We need a word from heaven that is driven with the dew of the presence of God because that is what is going to shift and transform our life. It's his word. So we got to have it. Painful as it's painful as sometimes. I must have the word. And I know, I know we got people in the house who, who, who are the same way, uh, have that same attitude, have that same thought process. If you didn't, you probably wouldn't be here, right? <laughs> you probably wouldn't be here, but you're here. And you and you logged on. So we're so we're excited. So let's go ahead and uh, well let's pray first. And then let's, let's jump into this. Father, we are grateful to you. It's so good. Your word is so rich. And so, Lord, we are thanking you right now that as we are about to embark on this journey in the word, embarking in this, in this journey, in the presence, I thank you, bread of heaven, that you are about to feed us until we want no more. And we thank you, Lord, that you are about to instruct us in your ways, instructing us in your word, God. And we thank you that we will walk away stronger from this time, God, stronger in our spirits, stronger in our minds, stronger in our souls, stronger in our faith. Yes. Yes. We thank you for the strength that is about to arise and come in this room, God. We thank you for the strength and it's about to come from this word of God. And that everyone will be made stronger, including those holding the microphone. Again, your son's Jesus' name we pray. Yes. Somebody shout amen. 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 Alright. Let's get ready to do this. Mark, uh, Mark chapter 11. Uh, everything that you'll see on the screen will be from the Passion Translation. But, um, we will, uh, you can you can have it in whatever translation that, that you like or whatever it is that you study, but just want to let you know that the Passion Translation will be what, what is on the screen. So Mark chapter 11, that's, uh, let's, let's go ahead and have that on the screen. Just a small recap uh, for those who weren't with us last week. Last week we started uh, confronting unbelief. We talked about uh, the, the, the thought process that's driving us through, through this series is the understanding that when it comes to uh, having our faith work, we're coming from the notion that we don't need a lot of faith 
uh, quantity wise because the Lord told us that if you have a mustard seed size then you can move a mountain right. all you need is a mustard seed so what is happening is we have the presence of something that doesn't need to be there right. which is unbelief so when it comes to confronting unbelief, it's not so much we trying to get more faith as much as it is I need to figure out how does unbelief need to be extracted from what I already have. Because if unbelief is extracted from what it is that I already have, then I have enough to do what needs to be done with it. So we journeyed uh, last week in the scriptures and talking about what faith is, how do I get it, and then the blessing of me having it. And then we jumped in too to see the real life examples of how Jesus used faith and how the Lord was able to use the faith to cause the fig tree to wither, to wither up dry up and die. Mm -hmm. So we uh, we jumped into that and Mark 11 is uh, another example of that. We came from Matthew 21 last week but we're going to jump into Mark 11 a little bit more to get just a little uh, a little more of a uh, detailed account with that and we're going to look at a, a bit of a, another real life example of how the Lord used used faith in real action and I love the fact too of how uh, the Lord doesn't doesn't expound on faith a lot because it's not a hard thing come on it's not, this is not hard it's not something that's complicated it's not something that uh, is that you need to go to school and get some kind of degree for or something like that. It's, it's not like that. It's, it's not a complicated thing. So he didn't spend a lot of time talking about it. So we're going to start, um, let's start at verse 12. Verse 12 to 14 is going to give us the actual account of, of him using the faith and, and the victory uh, drying up. So the next day, as he left Bethany, Jesus was feeling hungry. He noticed a leafy fig tree in the distance, so he walked over to see if there was any fruit on it. But there was there was none, only leaves, for it wasn't yet the season for bearing figs. <laughs> Jesus spoke to the fig tree, saying, No one will ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples overheard him. Go ahead to, um, I think it's 20, verse 20. Okay, we don't have 20, it's just 22. Okay, let's jump at 22. All right, so um, so verses 20, 20 and 21 are Peter talking to um, talking to Jesus. Yeah, the next day, they pass by the fig tree. Peter says, look, the fig tree that you spoke to actually withered up a drop. Jesus replied to him, verse 22, let the faith of God be in you. Listen to the truth I speak to you. If someone says to this mountain with great faith and having no doubt, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. 24. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Be convinced that you have received it, and it will be yours. Go back to verse 22 and let, let, let us rest there. Wow. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think we jumped into this last week, but we're we just going to hit, hit it all anyway. Verse 12 to 14, we see Jesus. He's hungry, mm -hmm. right? Having a, a human experience. He's hungry. He goes to this tree. He wants figs. He doesn't see them there. He, I'm thinking, he got a little upset. He gets a little upset 
curses this tree, but Mark gives us the, the notion that it wasn't even the season for figs to be there. So it wasn't even the season for figs to be there. He curses this tree. And, the, and there's revelation in that, the understanding that he cursed that tree because he's the only one that can expect supernatural fruit from our lives. Okay, so he's the one that can uh, that can only uh, require that from us. He's the only one that can require that because anytime Jesus steps into a situation, impossibility flees away. So because impossibility is no longer even in the thought process, he's looking to the tree that what, what normally governs you, seasons, is no longer even in play. I asked you for figs. So I asked you for figs. You didn't give me figs. I took away your reason not to be able to give it to me. So since you can't give it to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to curse you. And so what, how, how, how does that play in when it comes to faith and unbelief and whatnot. A lot of times in our life, there are there are uh, circumstances yeah. that will try and set themselves to us right. in in a in a seasonal yes. kind kind of way, to where I feel like there are only certain times right. that I can ask certain things yes. of the Lord. That's but cool. the very fact that He is the one for whom nothing is impossible for banishes that. And, and makes that completely disappear from, from the equation. It makes it completely disappear. The, 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 these are classic scriptures as far as like nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with them that believe that even those who don't subscribe to our faith, they know that. Yes. They might not know it from a revelatory standpoint. But everyone knows that when it comes to God, God is the central figure that nothing is impossible for. So if he's the central figure that nothing is impossible for, his spirit has taken up residency in me. He's told me in verse 22 right here, let the faith of God be in me. So I'm, I'm, I'm using this faith that I'm borrowing. So I'm using this faith that I'm borrowing. I'm using that faith to engage the one whom nothing is impossible for. You see how all this is clicking together? What's happening? All the impossibilities and the barriers that I would think in my mind as to why I cannot get what I'm asking for are taken away. That's so good. It's, it's taken away. So talk, talk to us. The, 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 the thing that, that steps out right out of the scriptures to me and what you just said is the season aspect of it. That is such an important thing because the season is what's being challenged at this particular point. Jesus is challenging the mind of everyone who, who, who hears this to the season of things. We have a, a thought process, especially in our culture and our society, that pushes things into seasons. And God set seasons, right? So we would think since God set seasons, of course, he would operate by seasons, right? Wrong. Jesus is challenging that entire philosophy and saying that there is no season when I am in the midst. And if we really tap into that, then we don't look at our circumstance as a seasonal thing. We won't look at our situation as something that would just hinder us based off of natural circumstances. Many of us think that we're in this particular time in our life because it's happenstance, right? You don't think that purpose is attached to where you are, but if Jesus is in it, your seasons don't matter. We, we, I love the song by, by uh, Dark, uh, 
Lawrence yeah, Seasons, right? That's one of my favorite tracks. I love that, right? Talks about seasons. But honestly, we have to shift our thought, our perception of what this season is. We talk about seasons, get that out of our mind. What he's challenging Peter to do is have a faith that is not of his own, but that is of God, because God doesn't operate in seasons. It was created by him, not for him. So seasons were created by him and not for him. And here's the, the, the other interesting piece of that. They weren't even created for us. They were created for everything under us that he created. Genesis 1.26 establishes that we have dominion over everything that he created. Those things have seasons, not us. So when Jesus steps on this scene and tells a tree out of season to produce, he's not out in the wrong because in an earthly sense, as he earthly hungered, he was in body, but he had the principle that God created in Genesis 1.26 to establish that he could call something that be not as though it were. And it would be what he said it would be. The denial of that brought a curse. And anything that we have in our life right now that denies what God has revealed to us, said to us, that we say out of our mouth and establish in the earth, it will be cursed if it does not produce. Instead of letting your life and your circumstance curse you, curse it. Tell it to get in line with the season of God, which is like he always said, productive. Always productive. Always productive. Always productive. Leave never with us. Leave never with us. And I love, I love too in this account that we get to see the attitude of Jesus when when the tree didn't obey. So Jesus releases his faith. Give me figs. No, no doubt present whatsoever. Give me figs. See some things out the way. Give me figs. You're not going to give me figs? Notice that Jesus did not go introspectively and think something was wrong with him. No, he did not. He did not He didn't do a self-analysis. Maybe I'm not praying right. Maybe I didn't say the right thing. Maybe I don't, maybe I don't have this. Maybe I don't have that. He did not do that. He said, I know where I'm at. I know what I'm saying. I know who I'm talking to. Come with us to John 11. When he prayed for Lazarus, what's the first thing he said in the prayer? Lord, I thank you that you hear me. Okay? You hear me. I'm only praying the prayer because of them around me so that they would believe. This has nothing to do with me. This has everything to do with them. I'm praying so that they can hear and take seriously that you actually hear me. So Jesus already is solid in himself that I know the Lord hears me. I asked you for figs. So you're not going to give me figs. I'm not going introspective and thinking something wrong with me. I'm just going to curse you. That, that kind of confidence resting in, in, his, in his faith that I know when I say something 
things are supposed to move and shift because God trusted him. Trusted his heart posture. Trusted him enough to know that I can give whatever it is that he asked for. And it's not just for him. He did this as a man. He was not tapping into his God. He was hungry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get hungry in eternity. There's no need to eat. There's no need to eat in eternity. He did that as a man. So because he did that as a man, what does that say to us? It is possible. It's possible. And, he, and he's, he's inviting us into this realm of understanding and living and knowing that that is possible for us as well. He, he didn't get self-reflective. And that's the first thing we do. I know I'm talking to me with this. I didn't, I didn't pray right. I didn't, have, I didn't have enough faith. I didn't say this right. My attitude was wrong. I forgot to forgive that person. And, 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 all, and all of these different things. I'm not saying that they don't necessarily have validity. The Holy Spirit will highlight these things to us. Because that's what we have to trust. We have to trust that process. That the Holy Ghost will, will highlight what needs to be highlighted as, as I am progressing and, go, and going towards something. The, the, the Holy Ghost in, in us is our teacher and our guides. That's his job. He's supposed to do that. He's supposed to highlight within us whenever there's something that's off course or off kilter that needs to be addressed and whatnot. But when it came to the Lord moving and flowing in the fullness of faith and contaminant free, contaminant free of unbelief, he, he wasn't self-reflective or self-doubting of himself. That's the because of peace. Self-doubting. So he immediately, as a teacher in this moment, shifts his platform and says, I'm doing this, but this is a teachable moment. Nothing in the scripture is by mistake, by accident. We're reading this because it was there for a valid reason, and it's important. Jesus taught Peter and the rest of the disciples, and now us, that this principle is a principle for you. So immediately he turns to Peter and says, Peter, have the faith of God. But he establishes that this thing is the same thing that you just mentioned. He didn't go in inward. He didn't look inward to say what was wrong. The reason he did is because he did not have doubt. He was confident in who he was and in what God said about him. And that is the fact that most of us run into the problem we don't believe what God has said about who we are. And because we don't, we doubt ourselves. We use that as a reason to say, maybe not through me. Everybody in this room, if somebody got sick, most of you here believe in healing. Right? You would want to see a miracle. If I stood up, somebody came in here sick, and I said, y'all want to see a miracle? Everybody get excited. Jump. Yes, I see a miracle. Now, if I said, you pray for them, you sit down. Mm -hmm. Why? Right. Why would you sit down? Because you would say, nah, did my quick inventory, bruh. You know, last night, I, I kicked the dog. I, Cursed at the cat, you know, I, you know, I did all of these little things that disqualify me now. 
from being able to do a command. Something that God told me to do. So I'll wait for somebody else to do it. So now the unbelief now is personal to me, and because of that, I can't do something that God said do. It's not God's limitation. If that person leaves here and doesn't get healed, it's not God's fault. It's not that God wasn't in the building. It's not that God didn't want that person healed. It's not that God didn't say they would be healed. It's that we doubted ourselves and limited God. Limited the Holy One. That's what we need. That's what we need. He said, Peter, don't do that. Have God kind of faith. And don't doubt. Have God kind of faith. And I love the fact that, that faith comes from God. Okay? It comes from God. It's not me conjuring up something. This is the faith that God used to create all that we know, create all that's around us. It's the same kind. It's that same faith that that got me into my my belief. It's it's that it's that same one. So we know that it's it's that God kind of faith. Give me uh verse twenty three. This said right, saying unto the mountain with great faith and, and and having no doubt. So so diving into this in the Passion translation, that word doubt there means to be divided, oh, I love that. divided and, or undecided. In the heart. So he said, you can if someone says this mountain with great faith and not having division, mm. not being divided in the heart. So if I'm not divided in my heart, look at that word die vi, die vi. That's die vision, double vision. Wow. I'm not being led by two different visions in my heart. There's a singularity of focus in my heart. When I'm doubting, I'm divided. Mm. I got two different things trying to build for my attention. Mm. But I can only go one way. Yes. But if two different things are bidding for my attention and then causing me to be ripped like this in my heart, that is an entry, that's an entry zone for doubt and unbelief to come present. So when that happens, I, I don't have what I need to be able to move forward and progress in what, in what it is that God that God would have, would have me to have. So I'm undecided because we're trying to follow two visions in the heart. Mm -hmm. The vision of believing and the vision of doubting. So the vision of I believe you and then the vision of I'm not so sure. So when all of that starts happening, I'm what's called double-minded. Mm -hmm. And when I'm double-minded, James warns us of this. We're going to dive into this a little late, not today, but just, just diving into it um, for right now in the sense of I'm double-minded. I got two different things going on in my mind, so I can't help but be unstable. Mm. I can't. I can't help but be unstable because I got too many things bidding for my attention. And see, this is the importance of making sure that I watch my gates when I am believing God for something. I can't take in everything. I can't take in everything from TV. I can't take everything in from the news. I can't take everything in from medical reports. I can't take all of that in when I am approaching and going after something from the Lord. I have to have a singularity of focus from what it is that he has said. That confidence. 
that Pastor Anthony was talking about. I have to have his word on what he has said, who he has called me to be, what he has called me to be, what he said that I can have. I have that. That's my single focus. That's what I'm about so that I keep division away from my heart. I keep division away from my heart. And as I keep that division away from my heart, I'm able to walk the plane that I'm supposed to walk, which is this is what God has said. This is what I'm going after. This is what I'm asking for. And this is how unbelief is going to be extracted from me. I'm not going to give it a chance to come in. When I'm, when I'm divided, that second row, unbelief is going to take that and come right, it's going to come, come right into my heart. It's going to take and, and then come, come right into my heart. And then, then uh, verse, verse 24. Let's, let's jump on that right quick. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever it is that you ask for in prayer. So, so we've got, got the notion of don't be divided in your heart. When you get rid of that division, this stuff is so potent, faith is so potent, that you can talk to a mountain and get it to go into the sea. So now that you see an example of how potent this is, Peter, this is the reason why I tell you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in a singularity of focus Come on. in prayer. And then be convinced that what that you have received it and it'll be yours. Alright, let's look at that word believe. Did some research on that. That word believe there means to release the divine persuasion of God. Oh. Release the divine persuasion of God. So I'm so I'm told to boldly release the divine persuasion of God from, from the faith. Or in the faith that I got from God anyway. Man, come on. God never takes himself out of the equation with this. Wow. So I take the faith that, that is the faith of God. The faith that has been given to me by God. It's the same faith that he uses. I'm using that to boldly release his divine persuasion. Over this particular issue. This particular thing that I have placed before him. That I am going to get this or what, what it is that I'm asking for. So we see, see how God it take, takes that divine persuasion. What, what is it persuading exactly? It's persuading me for one. Yes. It's persuading me in keeping doubt and unbelief away from, from the heart. Which is why we have to, like we talked about last week, meditate, regurgitate. What did God say? What did God call me? I am who you say I am. We, we say that today. And all, all of those uh, exercises of the heart, I do that over and over and over again and more over it right. to make sure that that divine persuasion right. is what, what needs to be released is actually what's, what's being released. As we talk, talk to us a little bit on that. Man, listen, you say it so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I made a point. I made a note whenever you were talking about division. So just to step back a little bit, when we're talking about the division of double-mindedness, and I know we're going to cover this later, but in that moment, the thing that dropped in my heart was Matthew 6, um, and it starts at um, verse 21, and we all pretty much know this, this scripture, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay, but the next verse says, the light of the body is the eye. If there for thine eye be single, Thy whole body will be full of light. Mm -hmm. And then it goes on to say, but if your eye be evil, that word evil there translates into divided. 
it means many. It means having a, a double focus. So if you think about it from the context of the light, and we go about the light, a light, if you focus the light very fine, it becomes a laser. A laser can go through anything. Because a light, if you concentrate it to a single point, it has more strength, more power, the ability to do what it needs to do. The issue that we are finding is that our lights are divided. We have such a broad focus on things. We look at so many things that our eye is not single. It is many. It is, it is completely opened up. So we don't have that concentration. We don't have that focus. And because we don't have that focus, the, the earth doesn't believe us when we say what we say. The earth is going to yield because everything in this world is voice activated. If you didn't know that everything in this earth was voice activated, you need to, to, to get a quick lesson on that. That people talk to plants. <laughs> Bodies talk to plants to improve the health of the plants. They have done tests and studies. Everything in this life is voice activated. So, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, if I speak to myself, I'm okay, I'm, as long as I don't answer myself, then I'm, I'm crazy. But really, you should be speaking to yourself. God called you to speak to things. And he told you that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So everything is voice activated. Yeah. So if we are speaking what God says, if we focus on things from that standpoint, we give it power. And that power, if it's single, will do whatever it is we need for it to do. But if it's divided, if it's split, wow. if it's big, if, if, if you take that same light and you make it larger, you can only see it short distances, your stuff is foggy, you don't have that same precision. But if you tighten that thing up, and so this is what the scripture is saying. The scripture is saying the reason why single-mindedness is so important the reason why it's not a, it's, it's important for you not to have two opinions, to be hot between, and to be vacillating back and forth between one and the other is because this world is voice activated and it is taking, the reason why we don't have authority over things is because it doesn't believe us. It doesn't believe us. If I lie all the time, when I say body be healed, why would it believe me? My tongue has, has taught my body that not, don't believe what he says. He doesn't mean that. So when I speak to my own body, I don't have any authority over what I'm saying because I have taught my body to not believe what I say. You think that it's important for you not to lie for other people. No. It's important for you not to lie for you. God wants to grab your tongue so that you can use your tongue for life, for truth, for righteousness. There's things that you want to have in this world. It's voice activated. But if we don't have that focus, that singleness of heart, then we won't speak. Well, you ever seen people say, oh, they speak with a split tongue? All that means is that you can't trust what they say. They say one thing one day, they say another thing another day. If you have that kind of atmosphere that you've created, why would anything believe you? Why would an element move or bend to your will? Because it doesn't believe you. But if you unify, 
if you pull it all under one perspective, and that perspective is that of God, when you bring those things together, you get a focus. And when you get that focus, it'll do exactly what it needs to do. It'll do exactly what it needs to do. Have the faith of God. Your point. God, that was a good point. Having God's faith, God's persuasion. Why is it all one coming from one source? Singleness. He didn't want us to be. He didn't, like if you do that, you lose power. The quickest point between he is is point between A and B. Oh, oh. Straight shot. But if you zigzag, you, you lose Come on. power. Jesus. Chest it. Go outside. Run, run a straight line. Time yourself. Good. Now run three here, three here, three here, three here, three here. Time yourself. Guarantee you your time is better in a straight shot. God just wants a singleness. That's all he wants. And he gave us every bit of the tools that we need to do it. Every bit of the tools. So that was like, it was just standing out to me when we were talking about that double-minded. And the scripture calls it evil. To have more than one focus is evil. I know we live in this, this, this age that says we have to multitask. And I heard somebody say that multitasking only means that you do everything at a lower level. Because you can't give anything 100%. Everything has about 30, 40, 60, you know. And you prioritize it based off of your priority, what you want is the most important. And so you multitask. And we're comfortable with that, which is, I'm not talking against multitasking. You have been given ability from God to do a lot of things. But if you focus on one and get that thing done, your confidence shoots up. And you can take that momentum into the next. Force myself into the singleness of vision. 
I'm not divided. I'm forced into that singleness of vision. Then I'm able to make sure that my heart doesn't get lost in the happenings of life. Because he said, I would have lost it. I would have lost my heart. I would have gave up. I would have quit. I would have moved on. Yes. Had I not believed that I would see his goodness in the land of the living. I got to put that in light. It's, it's straight on his goodness. I will not be convinced otherwise. I will not be convinced otherwise. That was, that's bad. that was, that was, Yes. <laughs> but just so so move, moving on a little bit, we're about to get ready to go to Mark chapter nine, so you guys can uh, go ahead and, and turn there. But th this is some some information that I found uh, last night as I was um, listening to to a message, and I think the, these um, just these thoughts on faith will, will do us well. Yeah. So faith is the most normal response to who God is. It comes out of the out of uh, curiosity of His divine nature. So, so I come into the faith. I come, I come into knowing the Lord. The Lord imparts to me His Spirit. Because I have His Spirit, there is not a natural curiosity that comes up in me that I have access to this world that is just beyond my natural sphere. Yeah. So I have this natural curiosity that is just built in me based off of that divine nature that I'm now. That I'm now a part of, and we already discussed before that faith is how is how I transact from the natural in, into the supernatural. That's the only way of, of getting things. So it's by faith. So that faith is, and that happens by because I'm confident in His nature and His word. Okay, faith is confidence in His nature and His word. Basically, the overwhelming confidence that He actually is who He says He is. Solid and foundational. God is who he says he is. Point blank period. He is who he says he is. And the battle of life will always be to get me to doubt that he is who he says he is. All the time. If, if, if we boil it down to its common denominator every time. Is trying to get me to get off kilter and divide it that perhaps God actually is not who, who, he, who he says he is. So unbelief, this is how unbelief creeps in. So unbelief will creep in when I get unsure. Unbelief will creep in when I get unsure. Anytime I get shaky. Anytime I get shaky that God is who he says that he is, that's when instability comes in. So it creeps in based off of my unsureness. It creeps in based off my unsureness. And, and in my unsureness, because, because we already said, so I'm curious. I'm curious of how that world works. I'm curious of how the supernatural works. So that means I'm asking questions. And as I'm asking questions of God and asking questions about God, asking questions about my faith and how, and how this works, it's supposed to be building something in me because what's, what's supposed to happen is my questions, I have to make sure are coming from the place that I trust that he is who he says he is. Yeah. So when my questions come from a place of I trust you with who you say that you are, my questions will always lead me to revelation. My questions are going to lead me to learning more and being revealed more about God. But if my questions come from a place of I don't trust you, 
I put God on trial. And when I put God on trial, I, I'm asking him questions from an accusatory standpoint. <clears throat> so then when I'm asking God questions from an accusatory, uh, an accusatory standpoint, I come to God like he owes me something. And when I come to God like he owes me something, I am not in vain. I'm not. I can't be. It's impossible. It's impossible for me to be in an accusatory standpoint and have faith that God is who he says that he is. I can't do both. I can't do both. So I will make sure that, I'm, that my heart is always in that posture that I trust. Yes. That I trust, that I believe that you actually are who you say that you are. Because there'll never be a time in my life to where I have this environment where I control everything. I, the just can't live by faith like that. That's That would be okay if it said the just shall live by surety. Right. <laughs> The just shall live by everything being controlled and being in my realm of control. But then I don't need faith. What, what, what do I have to live for? Who hopes for what they already have? There's no need for me to do that. I already got it. So God's going to put me in this controlled environment called mystery. I have to have an element of mystery about my life so that faith can actually be exercised. I have to have that. And, and, and in that element of mystery that I know God's going to put me in because he's putting me in it so that my faith can constantly be strengthened. And as my faith is being strengthened and I'm learning how to extract unbelief from it, I'm, I'm being put in that place to where when I ask questions, I'm asking questions from that place of I trust you. Of I trust you. So when I'm in that control environment, when I'm in that control environment, to where I'm in mystery and faith and trust is, is being developed in that, I'm, I'm asking questions. And I get like that when and I get like that whenever I'm asking questions from an accusatory standpoint. I get like that when my heart is postured wrong before God. And I forget that this is key. I'm forgetting that my whole life is actually about pleasing God, not me getting my answer. That's, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I, whenever I get accusatory before God, and believe me, I'm talking to me right now. I'm forgetting that my life is about pleasing God. Hebrews 11, 6, without faith it is impossible to what? Please God. So that shows us that the whole concept of faith was built for his pleasure. It was built for his pleasure. It wasn't built to give me answers. It was built for his pleasure. And as I set myself on living a life that is pleasing to God, I will get my answer. Oh, so good. So this shows where the focus of my heart has to be. If the focus of my heart is off of God, I want to live to please you. I have just stepped into a realm and stepped into a place to where I give 
access to unbelief and doubt to step in and creep in on because that's when it's going to start to say that God owes me something. God's holding out on me. God didn't do everything that he said he was going to do. Now I'm accusatory standing before God. Faith is completely removed and I'm not being pleasurable to God. I'm not, I'm not being pleasing to the Lord. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm saying all of this because we have to, we have to keep uh, at the forefront as we're going throughout all of this that my life is about pleasing God. It's about pleasing God. And in, and in pleasing God, this puts me in more of a surrendering place because faith is built by surrendering, not striving. So I can't. So what can happen is I can't. I can't take everything that's being talked about here and go and try and put it in principles. Right, 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 right. I can't. I can't do that. What what need, what has to happen is I have to get my get into a place to where I am learning to surrender unto God. Because if I'm surrendering unto God and allowing the let to happen, I'm ceasing from that that striving. I'm ceasing from that striving, and and I and I know that's not necessarily the easiest thing to do because we in our society and, and how work happens and how uh, we earn a living and, and just the very term earn a living. Yes. There's a striving yes. that's to that, but when it comes to God and comes to operating in faith, there is no striving that's needed. Wow. It's a surrendering process, and as a, and as a, as the surrendering process. Wow. takes place. I'm being seated in the right posture to where my heart is able to be trusted. And then this is this this is huge. It's, it, it's so so that means that busyness can actually be an enemy. Come on, sir. Busyness can actually be my enemy. Because it's messing with my single focus. My, my light's not strong enough. Yes. My light's not strong enough. My laser's not strong enough because I'm so busy and I got so many things that's pulling for me and pulling and pulling and by and bending for my attention. So so we've got to, I think one thing that we at least take away from today is there's a simplifying that everybody will have to do in their life. Yes. There's, a, there's a simplifying that we're going to have to do. There's a simplifying. we got to do inventory and figure out, all right, what was needed and what's not. Yes. What's necessary and what's not. Yes. For, the, for the simple fact that I want to live a life that is pleasing to God and have my faith so pure before Him that it pleases Him. Because I know that when I set my affections on His dreams, that He'll set His affections on mine. But, but at the same time, my dreams won't be any different. Exactly. Come on. I will give you the desires. Oh, and, see, and see that that's how it works. We're not talking about him giving me something that's not on his mind because in the process of being pleasing to him, my oh, desires become here. Come on. My pleasure become here because he is. My thoughts become his. And there's this there's this singleness. Singleness. There's this singleness that happens in this merging that happens. To where he and I are one in the same. That's what. And that's the, that's the journey. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You want it? Do you want it? Stay where you are, sir. I listen. Okay. So that's that's John. That's that's Jesus' discord to the disciples and John. 
when he says, I am my father of one. I do nothing of myself. Everything that I do, I see for the Father. It is that singleness, that one action. He's saying, heaven and earth now meet in me. And when we can say, God, heaven and earth meet in me. It's right here. That will be done where? In earth. Not earth, earth. As it is in heaven. until man broke a covenant 
And then work had to start over again. And then Jesus had to finish it again on the cross where he said, it is finished. Truth of this whole thing is, ceasing from your own labor is where you end and God begins. Paul says, I, it's not I, but it's Christ that lives in me. Sacrifice, Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means I live to die. Holy, completely acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable worship. Cease, cease. Cease from our own labors. Cease from our own things. Cease from our own wills. Stop what we're doing and let the rest take over. Just as God did. That focus, that singleness, that win, bro. And I think, I think a good uh, synonym when it, when it comes to talk, talking about rest there uh, is confidence. Because oh. <laughs> when it comes when it comes to the whole the whole discussion on faith and unbelief, it's about where does my confidence rest? Ooh. Wow. Ooh. So, so so I rest, I'm resting in the confidence yeah. that God is who he says he is. Yeah. Confident in it. Mm. Confident and I can rest awesome. in that. And as I'm resting in that and trusting in that, every question that I ask will be bashing God and making make it, make it me, making me feel like He owes me. Because if if God, if I'm asking God questions like that, that means God is my servant. When God is my servant, I'll always be disappointed. I always be disappointed. Wow, God can't measure up to be my servant. But as long as I'm His servant, always constantly amazed by how good they call sir. Heart posture, heart posture, and I think. We 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 gonna have we gonna have to get ready to get ready to close. You hear Ryan playing again? Yeah, man, we gotta go. Ryan Ryan rushing. Oh, not Ryan. Not that. It wasn't Ryan. But but I think I think it's good. I think it's good for us to 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 wrap it up here because God God said is saying what He needed to say, and I think the challenge for us is with with us being on this journey and confronting unbelief, we have to make sure that we're not just going after the answer. Okay? We're not just going after uh, the healing. We're not just going after the financial breakthrough. We're not just going after the um, favor on the job. Or all the different things that we place before God. Listen, it's not wrong to place these things before God. 
God gave us permission to do so. Mm -hmm. But he has also given us a checks and balance system to make sure that our heart posture is in the correct position so that when that is released, I will worship that and not God. I won't abandon the faith. I won't move him or dethrone him out of my heart and put something else in its place. I have to make sure that I recognize that when it comes to faith, I only got it because I'm supposed to be pleasing God. That's it. That's it. I'm pleasing God. And as I live in that life of God, I'm here to please you. I'm using my faith to please you. In the process of that, I start to see results of things, watch, that you don't even have to put mouth to. That's it. Why is Because there's such a trust that's being built there to what God can trust your heart. I can trust it. They so delighted me that I just give them what's in their heart. Give you proof of that, okay? First Kings, chapter 3. Solomon is asked by God in the dream. What? What can I give you? Ask me whatever. Whatever you give. First of all, the very fact to be asked a question like that. Anything you ask me, I give it to you right now. Just just name it. Solomon goes on. To talk about the goodness of the Lord first. There's a, there, there's a powerful sermon just all in that, but I'm not going to mess with that right now. Mm. He speaks of the goodness of the Lord. He speaks of the goodness of the Lord toward him, toward his family. Because wow. because I understand that I didn't get here because of me. My father David, you put on the throne first. And now you've given him a, a son to be in his place. So this is what I ask. I ask for a wise and understanding heart so that I can discern good and evil and rightly judge amongst your people. Bible goes on to tell us that God was so pleased and taken away by that that he gave him what he asked for and what he didn't ask for. He never put mouth to being the richest man that's ever lived. Being the most influential person that's ever lived. He didn't even ask to be the wisest person that's ever lived. He asked for wisdom, but he didn't ask to be the wisest person that's ever lived. He said, I want wisdom so that I can judge your people right. I want wisdom so that I can be the king of Israel like I'm supposed to be the king of Israel. For the sake of purpose. And God said, I'll give it to you for purpose. But then I'm going to also make it to where no one can come close to what it is that you know. What can God give to us when he can trust what's inside of us? What will God unlock and unleash to us when he can trust the process of what's happening in me? Hence why he spent so much time putting me through the rigor of challenging what's in me. We've got to talk about what's happening inside of you. We've got to talk about your thought process. We've got to talk about how you process information. I have to challenge you in this level because there's something that I want to trust you with. 
It's something that I'm trying to get into the earth and I need you and I to be on agreement in a heart level so that I can release what it is that I am looking to release into the earth. This is how cities are on the lap. The blessing of the upright will, up, will influence a city. Because the upright are in a heart posture to where they can be trusted. And I would to God, I cry, will cry out every day of my life to be someone that can be trusted. And because God has set us as leaders over this house, I cry out for the same thing that we are a people that can be trusted with the secrets that are on his heart. With the desires and things that he doesn't talk about. But it's in the posture of his heart. And he's saying, I really want to give this away. But I need a heart. My God, my God. For the Lord roams to and fro throughout the earth. Seeking those whose hearts are devoted to him.
release that kind of mandate upon us to where we start to move in that until he can trust. What's in us? Until he can trust. What's in us? And the more that he can trust what's in me, that means that I am embracing building that kind of relationship with him. And unbelief is starved in me. Yes. Yes. It's starved. It's starved. So any any final thoughts, Pastor? Then we're gonna pray. Let's go. Let's go be it. You know, the scripture we're talking about second Corinthians, uh, second Chronicles 16. Second Chronicles 16. Don't read it. It says, For the eye of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Herein lies done foolishly, therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have the words. So whose heart is perfect toward him. Posture. It's the posture. It's so towards him. So um, this week, Really, really want everyone make make time, make space for the Lord to be able to come to you and to challenge you where you need to simplify. Yes. Where you need to simplify. Yes. Because because we're, we're going after being trusted. Yes. Okay. If I'm going after being trusted, I have to have that time to where he, he, he actually sees that there's space that's that's exclusive for him. Yes. He's got to be it for my time. I can't be trusted. He's got he's to be it for my attention. Yes. I can't be trusted. So we got we got homework yes. for him to simplify us. Did you get anything out of today? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Be praiseful. Yes. That's, that's it. Um, Facebook family, anyone that's, uh, that's still with us, appreciate, appreciate you getting with us. That's everybody stand on, stand on your feet. Uh, ooh, this was heavy. This was heavy. Lift up your hands, please. Father, word has been given to us and we thank you we want to be a people that can be trusted by you trusted that every desire that comes up in me comes up in me because it came from you I only want desires that come from you I only want prayer requests that come from you let the faith of God be in us. Let the divine persuasion of God be released over our life. Let us posture ourselves in a place that pleases you. For without faith, it is impossible to please you. So let me acquire faith to please you. And delight myself in your pleasures. Delighting myself in what pleases you. Delighting myself in being that living sacrifice, fully obedient to whatever it is that you have spoken for me to do. 
This is our prayer for us this week, God. Challenge us, simplify us, instruct us, grow us, reveal to us that which needs to be revealed so that we can be the people that can be trusted to have the right influence in our city, have the right influence in our places of influence, in the places that we are, in the spheres that you've called us to be in, have the right influence because we've been trusted with the power of your spirit because of our contaminant free faith, God. So I bless your people. Thank you for the strength that came to us today from your word, God. And as we go from this time, Thank you for being with us in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. 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 You guys are dismissed.